You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. telling the disciples how much the Lord cared for them, how much he really loved them, and how much he was going to die for them on a cross, but they wouldn't believe it. He told them, look at the birds in the air. Does not God feed them? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. Does not God care for them and cultivate them? How much more does your Father in heaven care for you? Oh my, oh my, how much more? When you were little, you ran to adults for comfort and help. But who do you turn to now when you need something, when things are hard? Today, Pastor Dave shares that Jesus is there for you. He cares more than you can even imagine. You can count on the fact that he'll always be with you, no matter what you're facing. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 10, as he continues his message, The Good Shepherd. The true shepherd cares for his flock in the midst of danger. And it's really cool. There's no coincidence here. As I was taking a free time yesterday evening, I was flipping through the channels and I came across the movie with Mel Gibson called The Patriot. I like the movie. It's a good movie. And in that movie, they were seeking men for the militia. And they came into a church. And they were trying to get men to join the militia to come against the Redcoats, the British. It was the Revolutionary War. They were trying to get this to happen. And they were talking to these men in the church. And one by one, the men stood up to join the militia. And as they got outside of the church, here comes the pastor. And he comes walking out, and he's got his rifle on his shoulder, and he comes walking out and takes his wig off his hat off his head, and he comes walking out. And somebody looked at him and said, you too, pastor? And I love what he said. He said, the shepherd must tend the flock and sometimes fight off the wolves. I love that. I love that. Fight off the wolves. But he who is a hireling, when the wolves come, he's gone. He runs away. He, he, he scats. He scoots. He runs away in danger. And the key phrase as to why he runs away, one who does not own the sheep. Hireling has no interest in the sheep. He has no vested interest in the sheep. He doesn't own them. It's just a job to him. But the good shepherd owns the sheep. How does he own them? Well, he bought them with a price. The good shepherd bought the sheep with a price. And the price was his own dear blood. He paid for the sheep. He purchased them with his blood. They belong for him to him. He cares for them. He looks out for them. He does all the things the true and good shepherd would do for his sheep. And the sheep never are for one because he is their shepherd. If the Lord is your shepherd, I shall not want so the psalm goes. If the Lord is your shepherd, that's the epitome of contentment, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. What do I have in need of? Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. And he's pointing basically 
to the religious leaders and using them in contrast. And he's saying, these other religious leaders, they're hirelings. Because when things get tough, they're going to run away. They're going to dime you out and turn you in. And you're going to scatter and you're going to run away. But I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Want an example? We studied it in chapter 9. In chapter 9, the man who was born blind, Jesus healed him. Jesus healed the man who was born blind, and when he went back to the Pharisees and told them all about Jesus healing him, what did they do? Oh, praise God, hallelujah, you're healed. No. They threw him out of the synagogue. They got rid of him. See what I'm saying? The good shepherd found him and took care of him and brought him into the fold. There's the difference between the good shepherd and the hireling. The hireling to the hireling it's just something that I do for a living. You're not really my sheep, so I don't have a vested interest in you. Look at 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. Jesus repeated it. How many times does he have to say it? Jesus repeats, I am the good shepherd. You know, he says something once and we all go, okay. He says something twice, we all go, whoa, wait a minute. And every once in a while, he'll say something three times and we go, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You better listen up when he says these things and take it in to him. I am the good shepherd, he says in verse 14. And I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I love this. I just love this. The word here used for know is not intellectual knowledge. It's not intellectual knowledge that you would read out of a book. The word here for know means experiential knowledge. Know by experience. You know by feeling his love, gathering his love, as he demonstrates his love upon you. And it speaks of an intimate relationship between you and God, between his people and the sheep. The experiential knowledge. Knowledge by personal experience. Why? Because Jesus knows your name. Remember the song? He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He knows that each tear that falls and hears me when I call. He knows your name. He knows each one of your name. Think about that. He calls you by name. He knows that. Then you think about that. In this day of stolen identity, your identity will never be lost with Christ. Your identity is secure with Christ because he knows who you are. And he identifies with that. And he knows that. He knows your nature. Now, all sheep are basically the same, but we all have distinctive characteristics, don't we? We all have distinctive characteristics. Jesus, the loving and good shepherd, recognizes your traits. He recognizes your characteristics, and he is faithful and true to you and those characteristics. He treats you because of your characteristics, and he loves you. And I like to say he loves me in spite of my characteristics. He loves me in spite of my characteristics. And he knows how to take special care of his flock. Proof. Have you ever noticed the difference between the apostles? Have you noticed the difference between the disciples? First of all, you have foot and mouth Peter. Mr. Impulsive. Mr. Outspoken. Jesus dealt with him in a specific way. We have Thomas the skeptic. Thomas the doubter. Thomas the hesitant one. Jesus dealt with him in a specific way, didn't he? You have Andrew, the person who always brought people to Jesus Christ. Then you have James and John, the sons of thunder. Don't have to say much else about that, do we? But Jesus 
knew each one of them personally. He knows you personally. He knows your happiness, your sadness, your quirks. He knows everything about you. And he loves you immensely. You can't fathom how much love that Jesus has for you. It's too great for us to fathom. He knows exactly what you need today. He knows exactly what's hurting you, what's causing you worry. He knows exactly what's troubling you. He knows exactly what you're going through in any situation that you might even think of. He already knows it. And he's caring for you. He knows just how to talk to you. He knows just how to comfort you. He knows just how to encourage you. Because Jesus, the good shepherd, takes care of his sheep. He takes good care of his sheep. And I can guarantee you, he never falls asleep. He never falls asleep. In fact, Peter, of all people, God, I love Peter. Of all people, in 1 Peter 5 and verse 7 says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Have you ever really felt that no one has understood you? Have you ever felt that no one understands who I am or, or no one really cares who I am? Have you ever felt that way? I have. Have you ever felt like you're all alone in your sorrow and nobody really knows what you're going through? It's interesting that when you feel that way, Satan begins to get in your mind. He starts to play with your mind. He starts trying to convince you that you're all alone, that you have to fight for righteousness, that you have to do something to get back in good graces to the Lord. Nothing's changed. Remember Elijah? Elijah's hiding in a cave. He's hiding in a cave. He just called fire down from heaven in Mount Carmel. He calls his great fire down from Mount Carmel. And then he sows and hides in a cave because some woman's after him. <laughs> He's hiding in a cave. Give me a break. Lord, nobody likes me. I'm all alone. Lord says, not so fast there, Elijah. I got a few more people. There's a few others around that we're going to take care of things. Don't worry about it. What a comforting thought that he cares for us. Did you ever think about that? Jesus cares for you. Jesus cares for you. I don't care where you are, what you're doing right now. Jesus cares for you. Jesus cares for you. Some of us, including me, I might fail you. I might forsake you sometime. But Jesus won't. Jesus will never forsake you. He'll never fail you. And this encourages me. When I realize the care he has for me, it's more care than I can ever realize. When God was bringing back the people from Babylon... When, when God was bringing back the people from Babylon, he told the prophet Jeremiah, he says, tell them this. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And then in verse 12, he says, and then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. In verse 13, you will seek me and find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, do you know how much God cares for you? Jesus was constantly telling the disciples how much the Lord cared for them, how much he really loved them, and how much he was going to die for them on a cross, but they wouldn't believe it. He told them, look at the birds of the air. Does not God feed them? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. Does not God care for them and cultivate them? How much more does your Father in heaven care for you? Oh, my. Oh, my. How much more? Father knows the things you need to have. 
If Satan should ever cause you to question or doubt the care that God has for you, look one place. The cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ. God showed just how much he loved you on that cross. And we take it so for granted. We, we, we just take it for granted every single time. But when you study what really happened there, when you really understand what really happened on that cross for you, for me, for the world, it should bring you to tears. It should bring you to your knees in thanksgiving. Paul said, if God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how much more shall he not freely give us all things? Maybe you came today feeling pressure, strained because of things you've experienced this past week. Maybe on your mind are the things you're going to face tomorrow. The Lord's telling you, cast all your cares on me because I care so much for you. Jesus says, my sheep know me. How do we get to know him? How do we get to know him? Well, we get to know him through his word. The Old Testament, he's concealed. The New Testament, he's revealed. And we get to know him by reading his word. And then we experience him in our lives, and we can look back how he has acted in our lives and how he's done so many wonderful things. And we have that experiential feeling in knowing that God lives and God does these things for us. He cares for us. The sheep follow the shepherd. They learn to love him and trust him. And the more they love him and trust him, the more they love him and trust him. The more and more it just keeps to grow. Peter says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Grow in that knowledge. Grow in that experience. The good shepherd loves his sheep, and he demonstrates that on a daily basis. But 2,000 years ago, he demonstrated it once and for all on the cross. While we were yet sinners, he died up there. The good shepherd gave his life for his sheep. In verse 16, Jesus says, the good shepherd has other sheep he wants to bring into the fold. Look at verse 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Remember our discussion on context? Jesus here is speaking on contextual to the religious leaders. He's speaking to the Jews. He's speaking to the Jews and the other sheep, that's us. The other sheep is us. The other fold, he wants to bring us in. He wants to bring us in so that the two can become one. One flock, one shepherd, Jesus Christ, one. Those who were far off, those who weren't, or weren't, had, didn't have access to the covenants of Israel. He wants to bring us in. He wants, he wants us to make us one. There's unity in the body of Christ. There's unity in the body of Christ, all under one shepherd, all under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is the good shepherd, and his fold is big. And guess what? His fold is getting bigger. His fold is getting bigger and bigger because from the four corners of the world, people are being drawn in. People are hearing the shepherd's voice and are being drawn in. And there's a group right now being drawn in that most of us are timid and a little bit afraid of. Most of us because they have a bad connotation. And their name are Muslims. And they are hearing the word of God and they are having dreams of Jesus Christ. And he's calling another fold in. He's calling them in to follow him. Because it's God's will that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. I love it. I love it. Jesus is alive today. He's the good shepherd today, and his fold is big. And then Jesus said something that was remarkable. 
Jesus did the remarkable. Jesus accomplished the remarkable. Let's finish out with 17 and 18. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Jesus did what no one else could or dare I say, would do either. No one else could do this. Jesus willingly laid down his life that we might have life. He willingly gave it up. As I said, the shepherd became the sheep. Not only did he lay his life down, but he took his life up again. Listen, his voluntary death on the cross was followed by his victorious resurrection. The Jews and the Romans thought they killed him. Thought they killed him. And from a human point of view, they did. He died. Jesus died on the cross that day. Jesus the man died on that cross that day. He gave up the spirit. He gave up. He said it is finished. And he voluntarily gave up the spirit. That's what it says in John 19, verse 30. But from a divine point of view, it was Jesus who gave his life. No one took it from him. Jesus hung on that cross willingly. He hung on it willingly. He could have called legions of angels to come down and completely wipe out everyone and come off that cross. But no, he hung up there. He hung up there because of my sin, because of your sin, because of the sin of the world. He hung up there. He cried out from the cross, it is finished, and he voluntarily gave up his spirit. And then three days later, he voluntarily took up his life again and rose from the dead because the Father had given him authority. Now you're probably scratching your head and saying, wait a minute, Dave. Sometimes we read in Scripture that the Father raised the Son. And you're right. Acts 2.32, Romans 6.4, Hebrews 13.20. But this verse, Jesus the Son is saying that he had the authority to take up his life again. Both are true. Both are true. Because the Father and the Son worked in perfect harmony together. They worked in perfect harmony together. Check out John 5, 17 and 19. And when we study chapter 5, Jesus hinted that the Father gave him the authority to raise the dead. God gave him the authority, and this infuriated the Jews because he was claiming to be God, and for that they wanted to stone him again. So let's wrap this up, if you will. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, if you wanted to be touched by God, you would bring a lamb from your sheepfold. You would bring a lamb, and you would take it to the temple. And you would place it before the priest. And then the priest would carefully inspect it. They would scrutinize it, and they would look at it. And they make sure it didn't limp, make sure there was no blemish on there, make sure there was no spot on there, and they would just scrutinize it and scrutinize it. It was not the worshiper who was judged, it was the lamb who was judged. The priest judged the lamb. Here lies a fabulous truth. I can be guided by the good shepherd today. I can be guided by the good shepherd tomorrow. And I can be guided by him forever. 
I can expect the abundant life. I can look forward to his blessing upon me and my family. I can trust that he's going to anoint my head with oil and that he's going to take care of all the predators who might come against me. I can expect him to lead me and be with me as I go through valleys of darkness, even the valley of death. I can be, he will be with me. He will never leave or forsake me. I can expect this not because I'm spotless. Not because I'm spotless, but because the one true Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world, he's been inspected, he's been scrutinized, and he has been found to be without blemish, to be found without spot. He took it. He did it. He became the perfect sacrifice. The perfect sacrifice. Jesus, God, the shepherd. And Jesus is God, the Lamb. And oh, he is so worthy. He is so worthy of our praise. I can receive all these blessings, not because I came to church. I can receive all these blessings, not because I read 15 chapters in the Bible. I can receive all these blessings, not because I did not watch TV. I can receive all these blessings of God, not because of me, not because of what I've done, not because of what I have not done. I receive all these blessings that God, solely because of the one true lamb, Jesus Christ, the one true lamb. The shepherd became the lamb for me so that I could know the shepherd. Jesus said, I lay my life down for my sheep. He didn't come to me and say, David, you better lay your life down. You better lay your life down if you expect blessings from God. My blessings come from what he did, what he accomplished. I entered into the sheepfold, the enclosure that holds the sheep. I enter into this sheepfold. The sheepfold can be a picture of heaven. I enter into this glorious place that houses the sheep. I enter through the door who is Jesus Christ. I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I enter into the sheepfold through the door of Jesus Christ. And then I'm guided into the presence of the Father by the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. He guides me into the presence of the Father. And when Satan accuses me of wrongdoing, he stands between me and the Father and proudly proclaims, this sheep is one of mine. And I died for him. He's mine. Oh, I get chills thinking about it. What a glorious thing. We should all be cheering and yelling and screaming and hollering because it's not based on what I accomplished. It's not based on me. It's not based on my good looks. You laugh? Come on now. It's not based on me. Thank you, Jesus is right. I'm glad it's not based on me. It's not based on what I've done. It's not based on who I am. It's based on who he is and what he's done. Period. Period. It's solely based upon Jesus Christ and his act on the cross. And my belief, by faith, in that act, that it was a sacrifice for my sin. That's what it's based on. You are assured. 
Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.